Hey guys, welcome to the Neglected Podcast. This podcast is not to change your mind, but to invite you into somebody else's narrative. This is a podcast to give a voice to the neglected. It is also an opportunity for all of us to engage. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Neglected Podcast. My name is Nick Schultz. You can hit me up at Schultzy Time. We are at City Church. You can reach us at For the Neglected. I got our producer, Quinn. What's going on, man? Thanks for being here. We have a special guest. Her name is Karima Burdett. Mm-hmm. What's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and I'm really excited for you to be here today. And just from the little that I know of your story from what I've seen online and what you have just shared with me before we got started, I think uh, got some really powerful things to share that are going to help a lot of people in a lot of different areas of their life just to, to hear what you've been through. So thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm really grateful to be here. Really grateful. Thank you. Well, let's get started with little Karima and where you are from, where you grew up and what your your life was like and your family was like uh, when you were little. Okay, so I was born in Morocco uh, in Northwest Africa. The reason I say Northwest Africa is because a lot of times people think I'm from Monaco and not Morocco. (laughs) So Uh, I always like to clarify that. Well, I think Um, most people don't even know where Morocco is. Exactly. Yes, I was like, you know, uh, so I always put that in. Um, So my family was uh, Muslim, uh, both sides. My parents were Muslim. Um, My uh, parents divorced when I was about two years old. And um, my mom couldn't really take care of me because she she never been to school when she was little, so she didn't really have a job per se. Um, she found a nanny uh, position uh, in the city where I would, we lived in in Mohammedi at the time, and so she couldn't take care of me and work at the same time. So she took me to my grandparents' house, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, do you mind you know keeping her while I work? And so they 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 said okay. So I grew up with my uh, uh, my grandpa, my grandma. Uh, two uncles and three aunts, and I was the youngest one. They pretty much took me in like their little sister. So I grew up with them, and then in uh, 1981, my mom met my stepdad, who was from France. And he, uh, he, you know, proposed to her. They got married after two months. Uh, they went to France, and uh, the thing is with that is, you know, she was kind of taken away from me because... I, I couldn't go with her. Mm. Uh, he was an engineer at the time, and uh, he traveled a lot. So she, you know, she didn't feel comfortable taking me and just having me travel all over uh, France and and the world really because he traveled all over the place. So she decided to keep me in Morocco. But while I was there, um, my grandmother was not <laughs> very nice. Uh, she, uh, you know, she had her moments where she was nice, but she was very. Uh, controlling, pretty much told everybody what to do, and uh, very abusive. Um, so when I was about seven years old, my mom didn't know about this till later, but when I was about seven years old, my grandmother would have us, uh, would have me and my aunts go to this market. Uh, we would get up about 4.30 in the morning, wake up in the, in the dark, and uh, because that's when, you know, all the, the people would go to buy their, their produce and things like that, so they can sell them later. So, um, me and my aunts would just walk because we didn't have cars. We didn't have any of that. We would just walk to this market. And my aunts would talk to the seller and be like, yeah, I want this and I want that. And I'm, and I'm in the background stealing and put it in, in the bag. And we had to bring a full bag or else we would get it, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was no, uh, we, I couldn't do it. You know, we had to do what we had, what we were asked by my grandmother. 
And uh, another thing too, in Morocco, you know, we had nothing. I mean, I slept on the floor. I shared a blanket with my aunt. Um, we didn't have, you can just, just walk into the kitchen and eat whatever you want. You ate whenever dinner was on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no TV, no phones, no toys. Um, at age maybe five, I was already doing chores like washing the floor, you know, because it was all tile. Um, no air conditioning. I walked to school about four miles every day. Um, the, the Muslim religion, uh, even though, you know, I lived in a Muslim home and everybody practiced, I was little, so I didn't have to practice, but I did have to read the Quran, you know, in school. And, uh, I had to memorize a lot of prayers, which actually I have one still stuck in my head. Um, so, uh, so because when you're in Morocco, when you're born in Morocco, you are born into the religion. Like it's not. You're not a, like a Christian person where you go to church and then eventually your parents, you know, they're like, okay, are you ready to, to get baptized and, you know, become a Christian? There you, you are born into it. So you, you better do what they tell you or either if you don't do that, you just get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to do exactly what they tell you there. Um, but thankfully, like I said, because I was only, I was only 12, 12, I was there till 12, um, I didn't have to do any of that. So that was a blessing. In 1986, uh, my, my mom came back. She would come every year and visit me when I was in Morocco, which was very hard because she would come and I would be so excited to see her. Mm-hmm. But then she would leave again for a whole year. And that was devastating. As uh-huh. a little child, it was just it would just kill me. And I would just cry my eyes out. And she had no clue where she was leaving me at. She thought, okay, I'm leaving her with my mom. She's in good hands, but I was not in good hands. You and know, you I was, couldn't tell I was being beat up. No, yeah. I couldn't because I would get in trouble. Right. So, and when she was there, my grandmother was super nice. She wouldn't make me do anything when my mom was there, you know. But um, anyway, so my cousin was getting circumcised uh, in Morocco, you know, they do that. So he was getting circumcised and we were having a big party for him, a big celebration. I was dancing, I think, at the time, and my grandmother got mad somehow. She came and tore my Moroccan dress that I had on, which is like a takshita, it's called takshita. She just grabbed it and ripped it. And my mom saw what happened. She's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? What did she do to you? Why are you doing that to my daughter, you know? So they started arguing, and that gave me the window to leave. Mm. My mother took me, she's like, I am not leaving my child here. So she told my dad, she said, I'm gonna stay home, we're gonna have to buy a house, and I'm gonna stay home with my daughter, you're just gonna have to travel by yourself. Wow. So before we get to leave Morocco, we had to get permission from my dad. My dad was abusive to my mom, that's the reason she left, but, so we were kind of scared, we're like, you know, he might even wanna sign the paper, I'm gonna be able to leave this country. So we show up and my grandma goes, He's not here. He passed away two years ago. What? Well, like, nobody told wow. me. Oh, nobody man. told me he passed away. My father. So I don't remember him very well because I didn't see him that much, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I wished I saw him. Uh, so, again, even though it was a bad thing, it was a blessing because if he was there, uh, it's possible that he would have said no, and I wouldn't be talking to you today. Right. I would still be in Morocco. So, so then we moved to France, and I was so excited because I was finally with my mom, and mm-hmm. I was, and I had a bed, and I had toys, <laughs> so I was super excited to be there. 
But the challenge there was the fact that uh, I was, because I was Moroccan, I didn't speak very good French, and I was thrown into the school system in, into seventh grade. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't understand the teacher. Uh, the, the school never said, hey, let's, let, let us help you. Um, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a mess. My mom couldn't help me because she'd never been to school. My dad wasn't there to help me. And I struggled in school. I didn't pass the first year. I didn't pass the second year. The third year, I was too old to stay in that class. So they had to put me like in, a, in this class that like if you're, if, you, if, you, if, if you're not doing well, they put you in this class and it's all just hands-on stuff where mm -hmm. you learn how to cook and do, do, do different things until you're old enough to go to the next stage. Mm -hmm. And so um, after that, I decided to do, uh, to be a hairstylist. So I went to technical college and I became a hairstylist. And at age 18, I was in Paris at the hair show there. They have this huge uh, uh, beauty and hair festival in Paris. And I was with my boss at the time. And this guy came up to me and he said, do you want to be, uh, do you want to, do you want to go to America? And I said, yeah, right. You know, like this guy is going to put me on the street or something, you know, mm. he's like, no, no, I have, I have five hair salons in America. And, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking for 24 hairstylists and I would love to have you. They would love you over there. So. I talked to my boss and I said, would you please look at this, make sure it's, it's legit. And she right. said, yeah, it is. So I filled out the papers. Two days later, I got the call. You're going for an exchange program to the U.S. for a year and a half. I was super excited, but I was terrified because I was 18. I was going to live without my family. And I was again going to leave my mom behind mm. and I'd be with her. So I was really, really scared because um, I didn't know, you know, what I was going to do, how it was going to happen when I got here. I didn't speak English. I finally just learned French. <laughs> right. So That's what I was going to ask. Like, what state of mind are you in? And how do you view yourself before you even come over to America? Because you leave Morocco, you don't know the language, struggling with school. And was that the biggest thing you're struggling with? Or did you also, was it easy to connect with, with peers? Or did you have issues in other areas of your life while you were in France before you came over to America? Yeah. Or were you like, hey, I'm in a great place overall and here we go yeah well i was just grateful to have a bed when i moved to france yeah i mean when you come from that kind of environment in morocco when you when you don't have anything when you're growing up let me tell you anything is better i mean it, anything is better, better than nothing, you know yeah. because you i'm like hey i have a bed and i have my mom yeah. and i mean i was just so excited so the little things didn't matter mm -hmm. i was bullied at school my last name was baraka my barakat and uh, they called me Barracuda in school, you know, and I had long hair down to like, like, you know, all the way down uh, to my back and they would pull my hair and just, just kids stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I, fe I felt out of place a lot of times because I was Moroccan and I had dark skin and, and uh, I, I would see these girls, they were blonde and, you know, white skin and blue eyes. I'm like, I want to be like them. I, I want to blend in, you know, and, but instead I, I stood out and, and, and a lot of people, you know, picked on me, but, but it didn't really bother me just because of where I came from. Right. I was like, eh, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. I, they can pick on me all they want. I'd rather do that than be stealing or be, be beat up by my, by my grandmother, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I was just grateful to be in France. Um, when I came to the U.S., I was put in Washington, D.C. I went from this small village in France to this huge city. 
And it was amazing because like, wow, this, is, this place is beautiful, just like I imagined. Uh, so being in the U.S. was my dream since I was a teenager. I, all about Michael Jackson, everything, <laughs> just, <laughs> um, so I always wanted to be here. So I'm so grateful for that. Uh, but when I came to the U.S., I met a guy in the military. I was 18. I was young and naive and stupid. And I got married very quickly. Uh, he was military. He was, he was about to get stationed uh, to Texas, and he asked me to marry him. So I decided to, to say yes. And after about three months of marriage, he started being very abusive, mentally, physically. I didn't speak the language uh, didn't have any family here, and he knew it. So he 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 had the upper hand, and he could do whatever he wanted to do. You had nowhere to uh, go. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I, you know, I, I I told him. I said, "What would you? Why would you want to hit me? Why are you doing that?" And he's like, "I'm sorry. I'm just stressed out." It's always an excuse, you know. And that went on for five years. He would hit me. He choked me. He called me names nonstop. Uh, my self-esteem was down to nothing. I didn't eat. I threw up every day, I cried every day, and I went down to 90 pounds. I was very unhealthy. And uh, I ended up having a tachycardia attack that put me in the hospital. And they couldn't stop my, they couldn't stop, or they couldn't slow my heart down, so they went ahead and stopped it. And I was maybe about 22 years old at the time. Wow. Uh, I still managed to think, you know, maybe there's a chance, maybe, maybe we can make it work, you know, and uh, I stayed as long as I could. And then I, I started fearing for my life. And he told me, he's like, you leave me, I'll kill, I'm going to kill you. And I was terrified. I was, I, I was so scared to leave. I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't tell my family in Morocco, in, in France. I mean, my, my parents, because I was like, you know, they're so far away. They already worry about me. If I tell them, they're going to be even more terrified. So uh, it was just a really bad. And he, in, in front of people, he was like the nicest guy. And behind closed doors, he was a monster. And um, I just, it was a bad time in my life. And I remember going to work. Uh, I actually would work extra time just to be away from him. And I remember driving sometimes. And I would see a tree. And I'm like, I just want to hit that tree. I, I just want this car to go and hit that tree and be done. I just want to be done. You know, and then I would think about my mom, you know, uh, how much she loved me and my dad and my little sisters. And like, I can't do that. I can't I can't do that because it's it wouldn't be right. And um, but one day I was crying on the couch and this sermon was on TV. And, you know, I was I was Moroccan and I was uh, I was Muslim or Muslim, you know, never really practiced. Because even when I was in France, I never practiced. My mother didn't really practice, and I didn't either. So, uh, you know, I, I believed in Allah and at the time. And this guy came on, and he's like, just bow your head and pray pray with me. So I just started praying with him. And I don't know what he was saying, because I didn't really speak really good English at the time. But I repeated what he was saying. And I think that was the first seed that was planted in my heart, you know, that Jesus put in my heart, and or the Lord put in my heart. And uh, throughout the years after that, after getting divorced and getting away from this guy, um, which actually I had to get a restraining order, he was following me to threaten me, and mm. he was a mess. Thankfully, he was military and he got stationed in uh, Germany. So the Lord took him away somewhere else. But he was, I, I, I was terrified. I had like seven deadbolts on my door in my apartment because I was so scared of this guy. Um, but after the years of being away from him, people would talk to me about Jesus. They're like, hey, come come on to church. And, and I thought because I was 
Muslim, because my family is Muslim, I had to be Muslim. You know, because that's, that's how I was born. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no going back to something else. And I was terrified of even talking about another religion because, you know, when you speak of Allah, you always, it's such a, Allah is like part of everything you do in Morocco. Like he's in almost every sentence that comes out of your mouth. And, and so I was, it wasn't like the love you have with Jesus. Like, oh, Jesus loves me and I love him back. Allah is more like a fearful, like a fearful love or, 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 or relationship, I should say. You know, you're more like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm scared he's going to do something to me, you know. So I was really scared to even put my foot in a church. Um, so over the years that happened, then in uh, 2001, I met my husband. Uh, I call him Superman because he uh, got on a top of the globe in Savannah and proposed to me <laughs> in a Superman outfit. But uh, so he was, he was a Christian and uh, he went to a ch church and uh, he took me with him. And... I was sitting there listening to the sermon and this feeling just came over me. Like, I don't know, I can't explain it. It was like the Holy Spirit just came over me. And I was like, wow, what is that? And I went home and, uh, and, and, and I kept thinking, uh, what was that feeling that I just felt? It was the weirdest thing, but I, it was such peace. You know, this peace that I've been looking for forever and, and just not knowing who I was. and all the things that I've been through, because when I was in, in my abusive relationship, you know, I started like drinking and doing things, you know, I shouldn't be doing, you know, because I was trying to find comfort in something, yeah. you know, because everybody, everybody else was failing me, around me. And, and so I, I, just wanted, I just wanted to be loved. I wanted to be accepted and, and, and all these things. And so uh, to have that feeling at the church, it was just amazing. And so my husband asked me to marry him and we went to see the pastor and he said, well, we need to sit down and discuss this before you get married. He's like, well, what religion is she? And, and he, he said, well, she's Muslim. He's like, mm, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. And, he's, and my husband's, you know, he just, he was like, what? What do you mean he, you can't marry us? He's like, sorry, she's not a Christian. You know, you're unevenly yoked, I cannot marry you. And so we went home and my husband said, listen, I'm going to marry you no matter what. I love you, and I'm not, you know, if being a Christian, it's your choice. I'm not going to make you become a Christian. Just you can marry me. So just don't worry about what he's saying. I'm going to marry you either way. So just think about it, and you know. And, and over, over time, you know, I thought about it, and I talked to a friend of mine who was a Christian at, uh, at my job, and she said, Kareem, I think God has been after you for a long time. You know, I think it's time to, to surrender to him and, and when she said that, I said, you know what? That makes sense. All these times, all these, all these people talking to me about the Lord and planting the seed in my heart and all these things happening to me. And, you know, I should do that. And so I did. I became a Christian. I got baptized 19 years ago and became a Christian. And it was the best thing ever. Hmm. <laughs> so. Well, that, I mean, that sounds like a, a happy ending, yeah. at least right yeah. now. Yeah. And. We'll, we'll pick up from there in a little bit too, but I also want to go back to um, just the time period of when you were in that first marriage and mm -hmm. some of the things that like, what was some of the fallout or the things that happened to you during that time, either when the abuse was happening or after that you had to deal with and overcome, whether like it was a choice on yours, how you viewed yourself or mm -hmm. what you did or things he did to you. Like, how did you 
what happened during some of that time that you had to overcome and get through in order to get to this healthier place? Because mm -hmm. it sounded like you were in a really low spot physically, mentally, emotionally, all, all that. It was very tough. It took years. It took years to even trust another man. It really did because it's like, how can someone love you and treat you like that? You know, I've always thought of love as being with this with this person and, and your best friend and you love each other. And when you've been rejected, you know, physically rejected, like he doesn't want to have nothing to do with you. Uh, I mean, there was just no relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, you probably have a better relationship with a roommate than I did in my marriage, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I would come in from work and and he would call me names. Where you been? And he would go at it with the names. And it's like, wow, why would you do that to me? I've been at work all day. You can call my boss. I'm, I mean, I remember till this day, I'm like, call my boss. Here's the number. Call, you know, ask him where mm -hmm. I was. And um, but what got me through it, um, I think eventually was really my faith when I became a Christian, because I struggled for a long time, even after that. I, I was just grateful that I had the the, uh, you know, that I was able to leave because I was trapped. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was trapped. I was so scared for my life. And, 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 I'm, and I'm telling you, I want to tell every woman out there that if you're in a situa situation like this, please seek help. Please tell someone. I didn't tell anybody. So nobody even knew that I was going through this stuff. Yeah. And, and that's why, I mean, it almost killed me. It literally almost killed me. And, and I, I, it came to the point where I was like, okay, if I don't leave, this guy's going to kill me. Mm -hmm. It's either, you know, I'm just going to get so, my, myself sick so much that I'm, my, my heart is just going to stop or he's going to physically kill me. Uh, and I found out later that he grew up in a very abusive home. Mm. When I signed the papers, he was on his knees crying. He said, I'm so sorry. Please give me another chance. About that time I was done. Yeah. I was like, I've given you five years of my life. I am done. I cannot give you any more. But he told me, he said, he said, my dad was an alcoholic. He abused all of us. Me, uh, he's like me and my sister and, mom and my mom. He said he stabbed me when I was a kid. He mm. dragged me with a car when I was a kid. And I said, why didn't you, why didn't you get help? Why didn't you tell me this stuff before? You know, because mm -hmm. I didn't even know. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he had a, an okay life when he was growing up. So um, one thing that I did do when I was with him, thinking it was going to fix my relationship, was get breast implants. Mm. I went in and, uh, and I thought that because I lost so much weight, and I thought maybe by getting breast implants, it would give me uh, more self-esteem, and maybe it would even fix my relationship with him. But uh, So you did that for him, or he suggested that to no, you? No, I did that for him. Thinking that that yes, would... Yes, I did that for him, yes. Wow. Um, I, also, I also had an abortion. Uh, I got pregnant when I was with him, and um, I was terrified because... I remember the smell of coffee would make me would make me sick. I'm like, what, what, what's wrong with that? Why is this smell just bothering me all of a sudden? And I told someone, they're like, you may be pregnant. Go get it checked. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's not possible. It's not possible. So I went to, uh, uh, I lived on the base at the time, and I went to the hospital, and they took the test. And sure enough, the lady, she's like, you're pregnant. I said, no, you can't, you, that, can't be, that can't be right. That can't be right. She said, Okay, let's do a blood test. So I did a blood test, came back positive. Mm -hmm. I said, no, that can't be right. I cannot have a baby with this man. You know, I can't. And she's like, I'm sorry, but you are pregnant. So I went home and called my mom. And I, and I said, mom, I, a lot's been going on in this relationship you don't know about, but I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do, you know. And, uh, but he didn't want it. He's like, no, you get an abortion. 
just, I don't, I don't want this kid, you get an abortion. And so I had to go to Montgomery, Alabama. At the time we lived in Alabama and it was terrifying. Uh, a lot of people were like, be careful because a lot of people are, a lot of people are against abortion. And at the time, again, I wasn't a question. I didn't know this stuff. But uh, people were like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just a little piece of rice. It's, it doesn't even have a heartbeat. You know, you're only six weeks. Don't worry about it. It'll be done very fast. So I paid like $300 and I went to Montgomery and it was a painful tip. It was a very painful thing to do. They get, all they good to do is give you this pill, go right in there and just pull out this baby, you know, and it's the, the pain. Coming back, uh, he, uh, he was driving and I had to stop. I had to throw up. It was so bad. It was, it was just awful. And for, for years, I felt so bad that I did that. You know, part of me was like, what did I do? You know, what, why did I do that? I should have just kept the baby. Um, but then when I became a Christian, I realized that I killed this baby. You know, I, it, it was, you know, it was something I did, but God is merciful and God is, uh, forgave me for all that, all that mess. You know, once I accepted him, he, he says, you know what? You're okay. You're my daughter and everything you've done before, put it behind you. Let's start over. You know, let's start over. I forgive you. And but for the longest time, I struggled with that. I struggled with a lot of pain. A lot of pain came from that. And uh, um, I know I'm grateful to have my little kids, you know. Yeah. Uh, God gave me the chance to to have children again. Yeah. So. And you mentioned the, the implant thing. And I know you've, you've posted a couple of things on like your, yes. your website and YouTube about yes. that. Of just um, the pain, physical pain that you went through with it, but also the emotional pain afterwards. And if you can kind of share a little bit about yes. that that journey, because that was pretty traumatic, I think, from what you've you've shared, shown, shown and shared about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I had the implants put in when I was in my 20s. They were saline breast implants. I don't know if you know the difference, but saline is like salt water base. And then silicone is, is, is it's just silicone. But at the time when I got mine done, silicone was out of the market because they brought in silicone, but it was leaking into people's body when, when it, they were raptured. Mm -hmm. And they would, it was literally killing people, like making them so sick that they had to be on medication for the rest of their life. So when I had mine done, the only thing that was available was saline. So I got them done by a military doctor in Alabama. And uh, they were fine, but again, they didn't bring me any, <laughs> my self-esteem was just as low. Uh, you know, the, the, the struggle was still there, even though I had that done. Uh, but over 10 years later, uh, when my husband met, uh, we had children. We, we, I was pregnant uh, with my boy and my daughter uh, again, and I breastfed both of them. And uh, after maybe I was like 12, it was like 12 or 13 years after I had him done. And I thought, you know what, why, why not go ahead and get him done again? Because a lot of times you have to switch them up after 10 years, because if not, they, they can rupture, they, they can thin out, they can have problems. So after breastfeeding, I thought, you know what, I'll just go ahead and do them again. Well, I went with silicone this time and I found a, doc a surgeon in Savannah, got him done. Uh, <laughs> I, went, I went bigger than I should and I hated them. It, 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 I was so unhappy with them. Um, so I was like, I wish, I wish I never got them done again. But five years ago, I started getting sick. Out of the blue, I started getting really tired, just exhausted. And it's not like me. I'm like, my husband calls me the tornado because <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is, you know, all over the house. 
So um, I was just extremely tired. I started having pelvic pain. I was constantly going to my OBGYN and I'm like, I'm having pain. There's something wrong with me. They would test me. There's nothing wrong with you. Then I started having extreme burning on my left side. And um, I went to see a neurologist. They did all kinds of all kinds of testing. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you back. Um, then I was I was starting I started to have pain in needles all over my body. My body was so inflamed on the inside because it was fighting, and I didn't know all this was was happening. My skin would feel like a bruise, like you couldn't even touch me. It felt so bad. Um, but I had headaches. I had hair loss. I had uh, just all kinds of symptoms. And I went to doctor after doctor, and everybody's like, hey, "Here's some pills." Here's some pills, here's some pills. This, this will fix your problem. And I would have been on probably seven different kinds of pills. I would have been on uh, um, muscle relaxer, nerve pain, birth control, antidepressant, you name it, I would have been on it. Thankfully, I didn't take any of those things. I did take some pain medication to begin with at nighttime because I was in so much pain, I couldn't sleep. It was awful. I prayed and cried, prayed and, pra- and, and cried. My, my, my husband was so supportive and my kids felt so bad for me because they could see the pain in my yeah. face every day. And, and um, my, I went to see my surgeon about it and he's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It happens sometimes where uh, the implant has like a little problem with it and, you're, and, and the, the shell that's surrounding it, which is the scar tissue, will, get, will harden and it will squeeze the implant. And he said, it's not a big deal. We can go in and cut it open and it would release the implant. And I still didn't think he was right. You know, I was like, hmm, there's something else going on. But after all the testing, everything came normal. Blood test, everything. So I would just sit there and cry. And my husband's like, honey, we did all the tests we can do. They can't figure out what's wrong with you. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, there is something wrong with me. <laughs> I'm like, I know my body. There is something wrong with me. Uh, my surgeon suggested that I would go home and I would massage so that I can loosen up the scar tissue. Well, every time I massage, I release more toxins into my body and I would come out sick, just more sick, you know. And so I, uh, the Lord one day just like, take him out. Just take him out. Be done with it. So I called the surgeon and said, I want him out. So two years after this battle, after surgery, they, I come out and here it was a ruptured implant that's been ruptured for God knows how long. The silicone's been leaking to my uh, uh, chest cavity, making me sick, making me ill. My body was in a fighting mode, trying to get rid of this toxicity coming in for years into my body. And I'm like, there's the problem. And nobody knew. My mammogram didn't detect it. I took a, I took a test a week before my surgery. And uh, the lady calls me, she said, great news, no rupture detected. A week before surgery. I'm like, this is supposed to be a test that detects cancer. Mm. And you tell me you can't even detect a, a, a ruptured implant? That's scary, that's super scary. And so, so that came out, immediately my energy came back after a couple of weeks, the headaches went away. Just certain things are disappearing. I'm still battling tachycardia from it. And I'm still uh, battling the burning on the, my left side. Uh, some of the nerve damage uh, is still there. I actually had the tachycardia attack two days ago, Saturday. It kicked in at 9 o'clock in the morning. I woke up doing something, and bam, it, my heart went up to 215. Mm. Um, thankfully, I had some medication that I was given, so I was able to take it. 
And for 12 hours, it was at 150. And when it's like that, I can't do anything. It just comes on like you turned on a, a button and uh, there's nothing I can do about that, you know? So it's just the toxicity is still there. And every once in a while, it just makes my heart, you know, go off and there's nothing I can do. So I'm actually gonna see a surgeon uh, in a couple of weeks and see if I can get maybe an ablation done, possibly to get the electrical system fixed in my heart which I don't think that's what the problem is. I think it's the silicone, but I don't know what's gonna happen with that. So we're gonna keep doing a lot of praying till then. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a journey all stemming from being in a relationship yeah. where you don't feel valued and loved and <clears throat> you're just trying, trying to do something to get the attention you deserve in a relationship yeah. and feel the way you should, which is loved and valued and that you're beautiful and that we're supposed to be married and it's supposed to be good yeah, as opposed exactly. to abuse abuse and, yeah. and that to to see that's where it all happened from is such a sad thing but you know and you're probably not the only one and yeah. that's i'm guessing that's why you're becoming more vocal and being an advocate and just putting yourself out there to to try to reach other women but men too and yeah hey you, you know this this kind of stuff you don't have to do this or if you do there's ways to overcome it and exactly. and why is that so important to you right now to to be vocal, and I don't mean like vocal, just you want to be famous, but right. vocal to to share your experiences of what you've went through with with abuse and how you viewed yourself and that experience. And, you know, why do you see that being so important right now? Well, you know, every time I every time I'd be at church uh, or someone shared a testimony or something that happened to them, I, I felt this like desire inside me is like, get up, speak up, speak up. You know, it's weird. It's like. Just get up and tell people what happened to you, you know, and, and, and all the things that's happened to you from being poor to, 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 to overcoming stealing, to overcoming, you know, the, the abuse from your grandma, to overcoming an abusive relationship, to overcoming all these things, you know, go out there and share this with people. And every time I read my Bible, the Lord is like, just go out there. Just go out there, go in faith and, and share with, with as many people as you can. And every time I tell my story, people are like, you need, to, you need to read a book. I mean, you need to write a book. You need to, you know, just go out there and tell people your story because it's amazing. And so I decided the, when coronavirus hit, my kids were uh, at home uh, from... from uh, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> from, uh, uh, from March. And they actually worked so hard. They finished their school two months or one month before everybody finished their school. And my son, my daughter, and my husband have been on me for years. Go out there, share your story, go out there. I'm like, it's easy for you to say, sure. I'm a mom, I'm busy, I don't have time to be sharing my story. And so they've been on me, they, they've been, you know, they're like, mommy, you can do it. You, you know, you got such a great story, you can do it. So my son helped me uh, and, and, and he helped me figure out some of the YouTube things and what to do. And, and, and he was my little photographer and all these things from my thumbnails. And, and so I decided to just start a YouTube channel because by doing that, I felt like I could reach more people abroad, uh, everywhere, you know, by my, with my faith, I can, I can share that with people in Morocco and people in France, you know, uh, with the breast implant thing, I can share that with anybody in the world, really, because everybody, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people have breast implants. The abuse can, you know, anybody can relate to that in any country. So I just figured, you know what? And I actually speak Arabic and French, which eventually I would like to make videos with those languages as well to kind of help other people. 
So for now, we're going to stick with the English because I just started this three <laughs> months ago. But uh, so I decided to just start, uh, you know, sharing my testimony, sharing what happened to me with the breast implants. And I've actually had people already reaching out to me with the breast implant issue. I have two women who are getting explanted soon because of my story. Mm. It inspired them to do that. There are actually two of my friends that I didn't even know about that were having problems. One of them was... One of them is having tachycardia attacks nonstop, like all day yeah. for days. And she had no clue. And she's like me. She's like, she would go to the doctor and get blood tests done. And they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. Go home. And she's like, I know I'm not crazy, but this is happening to me and I need to fix it. And she said, after I saw your story on YouTube, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I couldn't believe that my breast implants could, could do that to me. So she's going to get, you know, she's, gonna, she's scheduled to get them out. And another girl is scheduled to also get their hers out. And like I said, I mean, there is many women out there who have breast implants and have no problem. But then there is the other, you know, the other group like me who have suffered. I mean, my depression was awful. I went through such a depression because I would get up and I was in so much pain. I would drop my kids off to school. And it was a fight to clean the house, to make dinner, to wash clothes, to go get them back from school, to you know, to just take care of my husband's needs and my children's needs. And I was, it was a battle. And uh, I, I just cried. I'm like, Lord, just take me. <laughs> just, I can't, I can't do this. You know, this is, it's, I don't know what's wrong with me. Nobody could figure it out. And I mean, I was so depressed. It was awful. And, um, and I'm just grateful that the Lord came through and he's like, I'm going to take care of you. You're my kid. I got, I got you. I'm going to show you the way. And he came through and showed me the way and saved me from this mess, you know, that I put myself in. Mm -hmm. So if I can share this with anybody, uh, you know, if I can share my testimony and, and all these things that, that I've been through and help one person, mm -hmm. then I've done my job. Yeah. You know, so. Well, that's really cool to put yourself out there and try to help others. And <clears throat> just have a couple questions as we, we, we close down. And, and one of them was just what it's been like for you as a, wife in a healthy relationship mm -hmm. yes and now a mother yeah and you you have a son and a daughter yes <clears throat> so and you, I, yeah and so i have to do, also step kids as yes. well yes okay mm -hmm. so you have a daughter mm -hmm. and and what you've learned from your experiences that you've taken either you didn't realize or you did realize and want to take it with you to to being a wife and, and a mother now from from how you grew up with abuse how you're in an abusive relationship um, especially just like your worth and your body image and you yeah. have a daughter now and yeah. you know was there was there things that you didn't realize all some of that baggage you were taking into being a wife and a mother that you had to fight against or you just knew like i have to make sure uh, I, my I mind doesn't go change. here to take it into to yeah. the family i'm in now yeah i think it's very important that when you no matter who you are if you go through anything you really need to fix what you're going through before you go into another relationship. It's so important. And I talk about that in the, in the video of my abuse relationship. Uh, you have to, because if you take that stuff with you, you're just gonna create more problems in that relationship, you know? And, the, and those people don't deserve it, you know? Like my husband, he's an amazing, godly man, you know, who he's wonderful in every way. And, and I'm so blessed to have him in my life. And we've been married 19 years, almost 20 now. And, you know, I want it, to, you know, because he treats me like I'm so, like, like I should be treated, you know, it just makes me want to do more for him, you know, because that's what it should be, you know, it should be about 
loving each other, caring each other, uh, you know, caring each other through hard times. I mean, when you get married, it's for the good and the bad. It's not just always for the good. You know, our relationship may not be perfect and nobody's is, but we have an, an amazing relationship because we try so hard to make it work all the time. We're always trying to, to read books and, and go to seminars and do different things to, you know, to create, you know, to create a, a, a great environment, not only for us, but for our children, you know, because I want my kids to grow up in a way that, not, not the way I grew up in. I, I want them to have everything they want, you know, but at the same time, I got to watch out not to do too much for them, which I tend to do that. Mm -hmm. I tend to do too much for them sometimes. But, um, but my daughter, you know, she knew, she, she, she knew the breast stain, even though she was little, you know, she knew the difference when I had surgery. She's like, oh, what happened, mommy, mm -hmm. you know? And I couldn't tell her at the time because she was too little. I said, oh, I just had to have surgery. Mommy wasn't feeling well because she was, she, was, she was too little to, to, to know. But I just told her she turned 12. I said, her and my son, then I said, I want to share something with you. And they know about my abusive relationship. They knew about the breast implants. They knew about all of it mm -hmm. because I want them to know what mommy went through so they don't make the same mistake. And I hope and pray they don't make the same mistake. But my daughter, she won't wear anything short. She won't wear anything revealing. She chooses not to, you know, and, and, and you know, I try to be the example for her. I wasn't always like that. <laughs> I didn't dress up like that. When I was in my 20s, I dressed up in a very inappropriately. But by God's grace, he changed me, took, took smoking, drinking, all that stuff away from me and, and changed me and molded me to be the person I am today. You know, and, uh, and, and, and another thing with the breast implant is I'm so grateful that I was able to take him out because I can't tell her not to have him if, if I have him. How can I say, don't have breast implants if I have them? How can I tell him, don't smoke if I'm smoking or don't drink if I'm drinking? That's just me now. I know everybody's different, but that's how I think. You know, I can't tell my kids not to do something if I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And I can't be an example for them if I'm doing it. So, um, you know, I just, I, I, I felt like, you know, they're, they're, they're little and they need all the help they can get, especially in the world we live in. And as a mom, I wanna do everything I can to, to equip them in any way that I can to be the best they can be, you know? And thankfully they have a, a really good godly daddy who also carries them through that. And, you know, God is part of our life 24 seven. We do devotionals with our children every night. Uh, we all read our Bibles in the morning. They read their Bibles before they go to school in the morning. That was daddy stain. He would get up and read his Bible. And I was so jealous of that because I'm like, I want to sit down and read my Bible. But as a mom, you're always running in the morning. But I'm, now I make the time to spend time with the Lord and be in His Word every morning because He makes such a big difference in my day. And our children will sit there for 10 minutes and read their Bible before they go to school, you know, and He carries them through their day. And uh, so he's, he's a big part of our life. They know I was Muslim, and they always like, Mommy, you need to save your family. You know, they always, we need to pray for your family, Mommy. They're lost. And... So they love the Lord and, and they get baptized. And uh, I'm just so grateful that they're like that. I'm, 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 it makes me so proud to see how much you love God and how much they, you know, they love others, you know, mm -hmm. so. Well, I do have one other question now, yeah, yeah. now that you were talking about it, but yeah. how does your, your family, especially that are back oh. in Morocco and they're Muslim, how do they, how have they handled your faith, but also your experiences since you've been here with, finding out about the abuse and breast implants and mm -hmm. all of those things kind of combined mm -hmm. because you mentioned not 
telling them some of those things, but they found out about it eventually. Yeah. And what, 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 how's that relationship been like with them, with the faith and the, the past pain that you've went through? Mm -hmm. Well, I still have family in Morocco and France, and all my mom's family is in Morocco. And my dad, my real dad, but uh, my mom and my sisters live in France with my stepdad. So I told my mom when I became a Christian, I was kind of scared, but I told her. Uh, I came out and I said, you know, I became a Christian. And she said, no, 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 you can't be, you can't be a Christian. You're a Moroccan. You're a Muslim. So she couldn't, she couldn't separate those two, you know. And I couldn't either at the time, before, you know, because... So she was like, no, you can't do that. I said, mom, it's two different things. Moroccan is, you know, my origin, but being a Muslim is a religion. And I can become, I can become a Christian if I want to. But she would, she made me feel like I killed somebody, you know? It was just like such a big thing. Like, no, you cannot do that. No, 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 no. You're going to disown your family. I said, mom, no, I'm, I love you. So I, I finally gathered my thoughts and I talked to her again. I said, mom, listen. I love you. I love my family. But I said, as much as you love me, as much as everyone loves me, no one can save me from going to hell. Okay. I have to make the decision to accept the Lord Jesus and be, you know, be a Christian so that I can have a relationship with him and I can go to heaven and be with him for eternity. Or, or if I don't do that, you know, I'm going to be doomed. And I, you can't stand up for me. You can't tell him, hey, that's my daughter. Just let her in. You know, I said, you can't save me. Only Jesus can intercede for me, you know. And, 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 and she, she didn't get it at first, and then eventually she did, you know. And I would tell him about God, and they're like, quit, me, quit talking to us about God, you know. But I said, well, he's my father, and I love him. And just like I talk about you to other people, I'm going to talk to you about God as well. You know, and so I just, I just pray, I pray, um, we pray for them all the time for their salvation. Now, I did not tell my grandmother because she would have killed me, <laughs> but she ended up, she ended up passing away. Uh, and I loved my grandmother. I loved her dearly, but she terrified me. Um, we used to send her a little bit of money to help her sometimes, you know, because they struggled over there. And we, my husband and I would send her some money to help her. And one day I called just to tell her we sent her some money. And I was shaken. I was on the phone. I'm like on the other side of the sea. Yeah. And I'm like shaking. And then she picks up the phone. You know, on the phone, she's like, hello. And I'm like, hey, hey, grandma, you know. And she started cussing me out. Oh, now you're calling me? Oh, oh, really? I'm like, I'm just calling to let you know I sent you some money. That's all, you know. <laughs> and she was cussing me out. I'm like, grandma, why are you cussing me out? I sent you some money. You should be excited, you know. But she was tough. We mm -hmm. used to call her the colonel. She was shorter than I am, a little small thing, but she was a powerhouse. And I think a lot of it had to do with the way she grew up. Yeah. She, uh, you know, she was obviously, you know, probably 80s, 90s now because she passed away about 10 years ago. But when she was about me, about 13 or 14 years old, she was kind of forced into marriage mm -hmm. with an older man. Yeah. She had 14 kids. She lost four, uh, two sets of twins uh, during birth. And so she had a rough time being, being, you know, when she was growing up. And I think she didn't know how to express her frustration. And she just took it out on everybody around her, yeah. including my, 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 my grandpa. My grandpa was like scared of her. I mean, she would, she would cuss him out too. Isn't that amazing that a petite little woman I'm, like that oh my, she had a and abuse everybody? I, I and know. <laughs> but she would, I'm telling you, nobody could tell her the truth. 
Like I became a hairstylist and my mom, she's like, oh, Karima is the flight attendant. I'm like, mom, why are you lying to her? Just tell her I'm a hairstylist. I'm not ashamed of being a hairstylist, yeah. you know? But they were, everybody was terrified. Yeah. But she would, she would beat you. She yeah. would beat my uncles. They were like, man, they were a man. And she would take her shoe and throw it at you. Like if you were on the other side of the room, she couldn't get you. She's like, just throw it at your head. She, she, she would take our skin when I was little. And if I did something, she would take my skin and like twist it to mm -hmm. the point where I had like a, a bruise. She would pull my hair. She called me all kinds of names. And uh, she called me the daughter of the crazy, of the crazy guy or the crazy man, which that kind of hurt a lot because mm -hmm. my dad yeah. wasn't around. And I, it's just, that really stayed with me a lot, that word. You know, the, the doubt of the crazy, yeah. the crazy man, you know, that's just. Well, and anybody can be abusive. I think sometimes we, if you're not in an abusive relationship, yeah. or doesn't don't come from that. You're just like, you have in this mind of what kind of people are abusers. And yeah. It really can be anybody. It's not yeah. just a physical thing. It's yeah, that's mental, true. emotional, mental. sexual, yeah. like all of it. Yeah. And from hearing your story, you know, you said it with your, with your grandma, but then also with your ex-husband, yeah. it's like they have a story and because of their painful story, it became part of your painful story. Yeah. And, you know, I was, the quote that always stuck with me is like, you know, hurt people end up hurting people. Yeah. And a lot of times you don't know about it. You're just a little kid. Okay, yeah. grandma's being abusive. Well, you don't know all this until later maybe. Yeah. Your husband, you didn't even know about it when you were married yeah. and you yeah. find out later and that's, yeah. sorry, main reason why all this is happening and it's, Again, more reason why to share things with people, not only to share your story with other people so it can help other people's situations, but even sharing when you're in those moments too yeah. of, wow, if my husband would have told me this, yeah. maybe we would have got counseling or we could have yeah. worked on it, but it was too late and all this abuse already happened. And you were fearful of sharing things that you were going through with abuse and how you viewed yourself because you were scared to tell somebody else and you just couldn't do it. And yeah. we just put ourselves in these kind of bondage situations of, going through things that we don't have to, but we don't have yeah. the answers of how to get out of it. So I, I, I'm saying all that because I appreciate you being willing to share that yeah. because there's so many people that are out there that are in a physically or mentally abusive relationship yeah. and have grown up being abused and don't realize how it's affecting them now or the relationship they might end, yeah. end up in because they're just used to it. Yeah. And we had that with our guest last week, too. Yeah, it's just that, like, that I married a yeah. man who's just like my husband. Yeah, and like I never thought yeah. I would, but I did because yeah. that's what I knew. And yeah. uh, we just put ourselves in those situations. And you know, for, for you, we always love to end the podcast with, with a, a challenge for people. And you've experienced a lot of, a lot of things, being in a different country, moving to a different country, the, the abuse, the, the body stuff, the, the coping mechanisms, mm -hmm. the, the faith and what what are just simple ways that somebody could have or did enter into your life and they can just do something simple like when i was going through this if somebody would have just done this because i couldn't do it for myself yeah. if they would have done this it would have helped and looking back on your life now like yeah. just everyday people that are listening to this right now if they know someone that's going through something like you went through yeah you can do this little thing and it can make a big difference and maybe lead to other things yeah. that are helpful I think it's important that we open our eyes around us because there's people hurting all around us all the time and we don't realize it. You know, we, we, we go to church, for example, and we see everybody dressed up, looking nice. Like when I was going through my breast implant thing, I had a smile on my face. I looked just like this. You wouldn't even know I was sick. Mm -hmm. I hid it very well because I didn't want anybody to know. I was like, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. but you don't know what people are going through. So it's very important that we keep our eyes open 
and share our stories because we may not, you know, it's so important that we share what we've been through because a lot of, when I share my story, people are like, oh my gosh, I went through the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, so it's important we, not only we, we keep our eyes open, but seek to help someone, you know, you don't know who you're talking to. If you're talking to someone and they're struggling in their marriage, pray with them, pray for them until hopefully they get some help with that situation. And like in my video, I say, please just seek help, tell someone, tell one person, just so one person know. Mm -hmm. So at least you can, you can get that person to pray with you, be, for, be there for you. I couldn't talk to anybody. I didn't speak the language. And that stuff was killing me from inside, from the inside out. It was, it was, it, it was poisoning me because I was keeping all that disinformation. Mm -hmm. So I started writing, I, I, like get a journal and start writing what's happening to you. Get it out of your system. You know, that's another thing you can do. And, and, and I think, you know, for all of us, like I said, just try to help someone out there because everybody's struggling in a different way. And so if you've been through something, why not help someone, you know, that has the same problem? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I started the YouTube channel because I feel like we all have stories to tell. Why not encourage somebody else out there that's going through the same thing? It doesn't cost me anything to tell my story. Yeah, I mean, people know my life, but who cares? You know, at least if I die tomorrow, I know I, I shared my story and somebody, I helped maybe a person. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. You know, what's the big deal if somebody didn't know that I was in an abusive relationship or, or come, I was stealing when I was a kid or, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is it? You know, people are like, oh, I don't want to say that because I'm fearful what people are going to think about me. Like, really, I mean, who cares? You know, that's your past, right? It's something you've been through. Everybody's been through something. And if you can be you know, open and just share your story with someone. I'm telling you, there's so many people out there that are like, oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I didn't know, you know, or, or that you helped me so much. You opened my eyes to this. And, and, and that's, that's all I want to do. Yeah. You know, that's the reason why I started that. And, and in the Bible, my verse, my verse in my, in my um, uh, YouTube channel, it's First uh, Thessalonians 5.11. And it just says simply, encourage one another and build each other up. You know, we're in a time of our lives where everybody's like, you know, just button heads. Everybody's just me, 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 you know, just a bunch of selfishness. And it's all about me. And who cares what everybody else is doing out there? And so much hate. And it's like, let's just love one another. Let's just <laughs> let's love God and love other people, you know, and let's just, you know, send a word of encouragement to somebody, yeah. you know, a, a verse or just a little word of encouragement or or give a hug to someone or you know, or, or buy someone a meal or, you know, call that lady who's struggling with kids, a single mom and say, hey, let me watch your kids for a minute. And you go get your nose done. I don't know. Something. Do something you know? to help somebody else. You know, so. just do something to help someone else. Well, you know? I appreciate you sharing that and being our guest and being vulnerable and Thank being you. willing to, to share your story. And, you know, it's not just you. You're putting your family out there yeah. by sharing it, too. And yeah. but you've already shared it with them and you yeah. want them to learn from it. So I really appreciate that. Thank and. You. What I get from from hearing your story too is like I said before, like hurt people are hurt other people, and that's yeah. happened in your case. And if you're someone that you're able to take a step back and realize, hey, I'm hurting people sometimes with my words and actions right now. Yeah. Well, it might be because you're hurting some way that you're not admitting or recognizing. Yeah. And you know, we always like to say empathy requires proximity too. Mm -hmm. So when you say look to see if people are hurting around you, like sometimes you have to get closer to people to yeah. see what they're going through and not from the social media side of it or like from a distance like a church where everybody's good like you have to have that conversation and get a little bit get closer because there might be somebody like you who is uncomfortable and you have to get uncomfortable to 
get to know them. So yeah. I appreciate you being uncomfortable <laughs> here and sharing things uh, with us. So. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. And I'm, I'm, I think you guys are doing a wonderful job with your podcast. You're helping a lot of people out there. You know, you're giving a voice to the people who don't have a voice a lot of times. And, uh, you know, and you're helping these people because by them coming in here and sharing their story, you make them feel special. You know, you are. Well, so you. I just want to let you know that makes it feel all worth it. So I appreciate you being a fan and watching and listening and, yeah. and now being on. And thank you. It was really thank good. So thank you so much. Thank you, Karima. Thank you, Quinn, for producing. Thank you, City Church, for hosting. This has been Neglected. Reach us at For the Neglected, hashtag For the Neglected, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Peace.